Amanda from Pontes Books here with some more information about Chapter 5 of The Prince and the Pauper. Today we're looking at another historical tidbit. And today's historical tidbit has to do with the Duke of Norfolk. So he's never really fully explained in The Prince and the Pauper. All you kind of know is that in the first few chapters of the book, specifically coming out in Chapter 5, Henry VIII is obsessed with having him killed. And without the background knowledge, that part of the plot really doesn't make much sense to you. And it does become kind of important because it sort of is a defining decision, a defining decision for Tom, uh, kind of taking on the role of Edward uh, for later in the story. So it is kind of important to know who he is and to get a little bit of background because Mark Twain gives us pretty much nothing in The Prince and the Pauper. So... Uh, here's the reference in chapter five. So they barely even use his name and they don't really say the Duke of Norfolk, but that gets brought up later. Um, so this is Henry VIII speaking in chapter five. Peace, insult not mine ears with his hated name. Is this man to live forever? Am I to be balked of my will? Is the prince to tarry uninstalled? Because forsooth, the realm lacketh an Earl Marshal free of treasonable taint to invest him with his honors? No, by the splendor of God, warn my parliament to bring me Norfolk's doom before the sun rise again, else shall they answer for it grievously. So, there's a lot in there. Uh, typically, you find the more complicated parts of The Prince of the Pauper are when there's dialogue, because Mark Twain is imitating um, this sort of Tudor English that they spoke, which for us nowadays is sometimes hard to understand. But basically what it's saying um, is he's ranting one of his uh, AIDS was talking to him about how Edward, who he thinks is Edward, it's actually Tom, can't go through these official ceremonies to start his princely duties because the person who's in charge of doing that, the Duke of Norfolk, is actually in the tower uh, awaiting his execution because he's been accused of treason. And so Henry VIII goes on this big rant about like, why is, is it my prince's fault that I can't have a person in this position who can't commit treason? Like, should he have to sit here and wait just because uh, the, the Duke of Norfolk, you know, made his mistake? And he's like, no, I want him killed. Have him, you know, tell me that he is going to be dead before the sun rises. Um, you know, go do it now. So that kind of continues for the next few chapters. Like I said, this becomes pretty important for the next few chapters of the book. So who was the Duke of Norfolk? So his actual name was Thomas Howard. Uh, and he was actually the third Duke of Norfolk. So that is a title that was given to him, is he was the Duke and the no Norfolk is actually a region. And uh, he became the Lord High Admiral in 1513. So that means he's actually the head of the Royal Navy and it gives him a pretty important role in terms of uh, kind of dealing with English monarchs at the time. Uh, so for a while, and he had some ups and downs, but for a while he was almost like second in command um, to the king. So he played a very important role. Uh, and also he was the uncle of Anne Boleyn, who was Henry VIII's second wife, and also the uncle of Catherine Howard, who was Henry VIII's fifth, fifth wife. Now, one of the things that you may have noticed that these two wives have in common is these are the two that Henry actually had beheaded. So that played a part in one of the reasons why Thomas Howard kind of fell out of the good graces of the king and ended up in the tower, but not directly. So we had Anne Boleyn, uh, and obviously he supported that 
that marriage, but that wasn't necessarily really placed on him. But the fifth wife, Catherine Howard, that was uh, the Howards. So there were other family members behind him. Um, Catherine Howard was Henry VIII's fifth wife. And after they had been married, he found out that there were some prior relationships that she had been in. And he felt like the Howard family, including Thomas Howard, had really been keeping that from him. And he held it against them a little bit, but he ultimately let it go. That wasn't the reason why he ended up in the tower, but that was kind of one strike against him. Um, another kind of strike against Thomas was that he um, was pretty conservative in his religion. Henry VIII was really pushing to keep England toward the Church of England and to not flip back into Catholicism. And he was a little bit more hesitant about that. But ultimately, the straw that broke the camel's back was um, his son, who is Henry Howard, and who was the Earl of Surrey, actually ended up committing treason. Um, it was kind of this complicated situation where he took this uh, coat of arms, you know, or this, this kind of these, this arms symbol from uh, a prior monarch and claimed it as his own. And it was kind of a slap in the face to Henry and uh, Henry meaning Henry VIII. And so he ultimately ended up getting accused of treason, as did his father Thomas, because they believed that he, they were working on it together. So both he and his son were sent to the tower for that. His son was actually ended up being killed, but Thomas ended up staying in the tower throughout all of Edward VI's reign. So that was after Henry VIII had passed away, he was sitting in the tower, and throughout the entire time of King uh, Edward VI's reign, which was pretty short, but then was ultimately released by Queen Mary in 1553. Now that differs a little bit from what happens in The Prince and the Pauper. And without any spoilers, because I haven't technically gotten to that part yet in my little recap that I'm going through with these different chapter videos, uh, I don't wanna spoil anything, but that is different from what actually happens in the story. But in real life, after he was set free from uh, the tower from Mary, he actually had a lot of his titles reinstated, became a Duke again and wasn't, didn't die uh, under the hands of the royals. So hopefully that helps the story make a little more sense when we're talking about the Duke of Norfolk. And have a good rest of your day.